Amen. So uh, I thought I'd talk more uh, about what we shared yesterday, but I'm going to focus on the fact that we have to ask again. Amen. Ask again. And it's so important that we understand the power of persevering in prayer, the power of uh, not giving up, not quitting, uh, which is very easy to do. We talked yesterday about the, the visible realm being the source of doubt in our lives. If you can can consider not what you think, feel, see, and this that this natural realm uh, has ordained and what it has birthed, uh, then you can easily use supernatural faith. But how many of you know we're always looking in the natural out of habit? Sometimes out of habit and sometimes out of desperation, sometimes out of fear, sometimes out of um, fatigue. We're tired of waiting. I hear so many Christians use that word, I'm tired. Well, you better get untired or something because it's not going to change. You're tired is not going to change anything. Amen? Your emotions are not going to change anything. God wants to change how you feel about things. That's the main thing. Is you, you may have to go through circumstances that are quite unpleasant. But God has promised you a way out of them. And many times a way of escape is not receiving the answer. Write that down. Because you, you know people get a little crazy about what they're looking for. You know you think your way of escape is getting out of trouble or getting the answer real fast. But your way of escape is to abide in the Spirit. That's where you escape to. You ask some of these people that have been drug addicts for a long time. They'll tell you things like, well, my life was so terrible and I just needed to escape from it. I needed to get away from thinking about my problems all the time. And somebody offered me Whatever it is that they took from that time forward, I was hooked because the problems didn't go away and their attitude about it didn't go away. But they escaped into a place where they weren't mindful of it. It's what God has provided for us. Sometimes we have the right answers to things, but we have the wrong mechanism to go about getting them. But your way of escaping from how you feel about things is to tap into God's realm where he abides, where the things that, that will nurture your spirit are provided. You're not a creature just living in the flesh anymore. You're a spirit being. And God is trying to acclimate us to life in the spirit because that's what heaven's going to be. You're not going to have any uh, waiting time and, and, you know, struggles and all that. But you will be acclimated to living by the spirit of God. You're not going to live by what you see anymore. But you're going to live by what's inside of you, what's in your spirit, man. So God is training us to stay focused in the realm of the spirit, not to be moved by what we see. Yeah, we need stuff. And yeah, we're praying for stuff. And yeah, we yada yada got to have. But still, you're not on pins and needles for those things. You know, if you need them that bad, go go shoot somebody or rob somebody. Go take it. You understand what I'm saying? But but we don't we're not as pressed as we think we are. Things We allow the enemy to press us against the wall and and intimidate us and make us think, oh boy, if it doesn't happen soon, it's, you know, whatever. (laughs) So uh, we just have to really understand that God has a plan. Uh, He's looking at more than our stuff, Um, you know. 
for for um to give us things i notice nowadays people are so in a hurry for everything the one of the the um uh um, websites that you know that sells stuff the reason they're so strong and so popular is they'll get you most of your stuff within two days and nobody can hardly beat that record so the trend now is to get stuff before you even want to get it they know they're competing with retailers where you could just walk down the street or go to the mall to the store and grab something so they want to get it to you as fast as and so that's the trend in life today is everything has to be real quick and i gotta you know uh have this right now well god wants us to be satisfied with our lives more than anything it's so things he knows things won't satisfy us so he brings satisfaction in in the form of the fruit of the spirit to keep us peaceful i want us wanted to say pacified but that has kind of a negative connotation to it we need to stay peaceful and fed and flourishing while we're quote unquote waiting for god to give us what we ask for you have to stay in a realm where god can get a hold of you if you're not at your right address how's he going to find you to bless you if you're out in the flesh somewhere and you're hysterical and carrying on and this ain't right and that ain't right and you're not satisfied how's god going to deal with you and help you to understand what he's doing in your life a lot of our emotional outbursts have to do with lack of knowledge you know it's just ignorance to sit up and throw a tantrum because you know you think you're supposed to have something and you don't have it yet right see this isn't this isn't a kingdom that's built on things it's built on character it's built on the character of christ it's built on understanding that God has a plan for your life, no matter what your age is, no matter what your accomplishments are, what your education is, how smart you are, how not so smart you are, you know, whether you messed up everything God gave you ever in life and you're starting over again, whatever it is, you have to understand that God has a plan for you and it's more than things. In fact, he said the kingdom is not meat and drink or things related to the physical realm, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's a state of being content in God. The Bible says righteousness um, uh, with contentment is great gain. Amen. Uh, to be content in being a godly person is great gain. And so there are going to be times where that's challenged. But you you have to understand that you're here for great gain. You're not here for things. You're here for great gain. And so when you kind of understand that, let yourself chill a little bit, let yourself trust God a little bit more, then it will work out for you. So we were talking yesterday about the anyhow factor and how important it is that you understand that no matter what your condition is, you have it anyhow. In other words, you're healed anyhow. You're blessed anyhow. You're prosperous anyhow. You have the things that you desire anyhow. Uh, because you will have many, many days where nothing shows up. 
But you have to realize your blessedness does not come from the visible realm. It comes from the invisible realm. Amen. We said that anyhow is not a default position and it's not a a, um, consolation prize. But it's a place of strength and security. So what happens is that anyhow is is like your... um, your position of of uh, standing on top of your mountain say for instance you desire to be healed in your body you know you're healed god's told you you're healed but symptoms are still there amen so what you do is that after the devil tries to beat you up all day long reminding you of symptoms and you got to take them pills and what are them saints going to say when they say you see you slopping up all them pills and stuff and what about this and what about that what you do is you stand on your victory position and you say no devil i am healed anyhow so it's a position that you take a victory where you're standing above that. You're on top of your mountain looking down at the enemy and saying, listen, devil, I'm healed anyhow. I'm prosperous anyhow. We have our conference uh, rent paid for anyhow. You got me? So you had take the anyhow position. And when you take that position, it's hard for the enemy to move you because you're not considering what he says anymore. You put the final punctuation behind it with your anyhow. And so when we take that position, we don't consider. You can sit there and wonder all day long, well, why isn't it this and why is that and why this, why this. Don't do that to yourself. Take the position of faith that I have it anyhow in spite of what it looks like. I still have it in spite of what has come against me since then. I still have it. And if you'll take that position, you'll find strength and confidence. You'll find that you're not just saying something to get the devil off your case for a minute. You really do believe that. That's your position. That's where you stand. That's what Abraham did. That's how he was able to do the great things that he did in obedience to God because he he made up his mind. He was the father of many nations anyhow. Amen. He said, you know, he considered not his body. He quit thinking about how old he was and how old Sarah was. And that they never had children. She was never fertile. It doesn't mean that she couldn't be. See, when you're in God, all the natural rules are off. And one of our our, our biggest challenges will be to put down natural thinking and pick up supernatural thinking. You got me? You have to think supernaturally about things. You have to see that it doesn't matter age. It doesn't matter longevity. It doesn't matter any of these things. What matters is the will of God. And unfortunately, many times we don't fully understand what God's doing. So we fight it based on what we know to be normal, natural, and and consistent with with what's going on in this temporal realm and and we have to start letting things go and really focusing in on the word now god you really said this and you know what this is real hard for me to believe 
You know what? It's hard for me to believe looking at my situation. You say my children are going to be servants of the Most High God. It's hard to believe looking at what they're doing right now. It's hard to believe where in understanding where where they were a year from from yesterday and so forth and so on. And so even if it's hard to believe, you've got to turn your mind off from the past, their faults, their failures, shortcomings, whatever it is. Quit nitpicking at them and start looking at God's word. Quit nitpicking at anybody that you think is holding up your progress in God and start looking at God's word. You, you'll you never get your faith to work being interrupted in your faith pursuit by natural things, circumstances, what they're doing now, what they say coming out of their mouths, all that kind of stuff. You won't get to, to the supernatural. What we like to do is feel sorry for ourselves. Look what they did to me. You know, sometimes you, you're cute little kids. You loved them all their life. They get eye to eye with you and start getting belligerent and nasty and all that kind of stuff. Now, you can fold up and have a pity party. Or you can punch them out and repent. You know, whatever your pleasure. Whatever gets you back in the spirit, do that. You understand what I'm saying? I don't care what y'all do. But the pity party has got to go. You got me? Or look at what they said to me. Shoot, I had a a wreck of a marriage when I got saved. I didn't know if I was going to be married or not for at least five or six years. If I had listened to what my husband said and not read the word, it would have been over. Because there were many days I wanted to help him pack. Say, you done here? I'm going to help you get out of here. I'm going to make it easy for you. I'm going to help you out, as Reverend Bruce would say. I'm going to help you out. <laughs> I'm going to help you out. Get you out of your misery right now, ranting and raving like a crazy man. But there came a day where God showed me what that was. He said, you asked me for something and the devil's trying to get you to let go of it. Now you think you can't love somebody who's mean to you. He said, I'm going to show you you can. You got me? So let's grow up here. We're we're Christians. That means you are Christ-like. Got me? You are like Christ. You're capable of everything that Jesus did. People criticized him, tried to throw him off a mountain. He went right back to the same synagogue and preached again. Got me? So let's get over this little immature stuff and let's start being mature. (laughs) You have to do these things. It's in you to overcome your emotions about things in life. Because if the devil keeps you in that emotional roller coaster, he'll run. He'll ruin you. He'll run your life, and he'll ruin everything. Amen. So you just have to let God work and and trust that He's working. He's got to change people. He's got to change you. He's got to change other people. And we've got to make room for that to happen. We can't think God promised you something and it depends on another person and they're against you. You can't believe that will last forever. You've got to stop that. You got me? And you can't believe that these things can't be repaired. We have to really, really focus in on it will come together again. And get out of your, sometimes we park our minds on a certain street. 
and just stay there like where it is right now and we don't want to see a vision of something better in the future if you don't open up your eyes to see that person coming back that person reconciled to you that person joyfully serving god that person doing the things that god has ordained for them to do you won't go very much further just don't park on that street you got me uh, i think i remember brother Oral roberts uh, sermon don't park here uh, and it's a good sermon because it, that is what hinders people. You get like you get so far in believing God for something, and you come to a standstill. And then we want to believe we want to blame somebody for why it's not moving forward. Well, what do you have in your vision that's coming? And many times, if you confess, you you you're you're believing for doom and gloom. You're believing for the negative. You're believing for things never to change, never to work out right. So you're gonna you gotta change the way you vision you envision your life. You gotta change the way you think about things because it's not gonna change if you don't. But if you make the change and you accept what God says. And quit being so angry and frustrated. Some people can't do any more than they do. You understand me? But it doesn't mean it's going to be that way forever. You've got to put your faith in there and cause those things to come around. You know, you look at God's word and you look at your situation. Well, they better shape up. No, don't work like that, girlfriend. You've got to, got to get in there with your faith and with love and forgiveness as much as you can forgive that's as much as they change and so you have to invest that love of god into a person's life to get the benefit you know a lot of a lot of relationships are on life support you know the people try to bankrupt their relationships before you even invest anything in them you can't do that you've got to constantly invest in that other individual in order to see the results that God wants you wants to bring about. So you do what you have to do. You know, my husband didn't know the Lord. I did. You know, and I wanted to pull a pull a knife on him in the kitchen because he didn't read the Bible. <laughs> Woo! The good old days. <laughs> like I'm I'm reading the Bible. What you doing? I got a knife and a Bible. Whatever. You know, you just you, you can. <laughs> it's working it's working you know i mean just the crazy stuff we do and you're not that far off of the edge sometimes just chill 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 and make up your mind you're going to forgive you're going to love you that's going to be your project you make yourself your own project you'll be fine so anyway so anyway we said uh the uh uh, anyhow is not a default position the anyhow factor is what you have to add into your waiting time so this is a time where you're tending your garden that you planted you planted the word in your heart you want to see it come to pass you confess the word you expect god to move according to his word your situation to conform to the word and so there is a waiting period there. Uh, we call it waiting, but I think it's a very busy period because you're tending the word that's planted in you. You have to water the word, more word. Keep meditating on the word. Uh, I think on the way here, I was confessing. I said yesterday, I'm going to quit looking for weakness in my body and start looking for strength because that's the word. 
And so if you, and I, I was thinking about it and I was meditating on the fact that I'm healed all the way here to church. And I thought, well, this is a good way to spend my drive time is meditating on God's word instead of trying to figure out what I'm going to do when I get there and what, you know, making you're letting your mind wander. Then you, you are tending the seed of health and strength that's on the inside of you when you do that. And so uh, we we have to understand that uh, coming from a position of strength is the best position to be in when you're waiting for God to, for the promises of God to be made manifest in your life, when you're looking for things to happen uh, that, that change, all of that. Uh, you have to assume a position of strength. You can't be weak and when is it going to happen and I don't know what I did wrong and what else do I need to do. And There's a lot else we need to do sometimes. But you have to hold on to your faith with the anyhow factor. So you have that anyhow. We talked about Abraham and his brand of faith. The Bible says that he was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and and at some point got fully persuaded that what God had promised he was able to perform. Now there was a time where he was not so persuaded, and so we, we started on that in Genesis 15, and I think I'll go back to that. We talked about, <clears throat> let me see. Let me show you this first. Now, see, I've gotten all. When I when I find things related to the blood, I get all. Oh, oh, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here's some more. Here's some more. Here's some more. Uh, let me see. End of all strife. Okay, I'll I'll do that when I get to it. I see I will be getting to that. Okay, all right. Okay, so go over to Genesis 15. We'll talk about the blood covenant that settled everything. I think I'll have to write a book or something on the blood settles everything. Because it does. We're not so familiar with this kind of business in this culture. Let me tell you why. Because Jesus' Jesus' sacrifice of his own life ended all sacrifices. So whereas in times past, say that before the time of Christ, people had familiar knowledge with blood covenants because they would do them all the time. That was how you made contracts. That was how you made uh, agreements. That's how you did business was through uh, swearing your life against the things that you were doing. Say, for instance, if you were a stranger in town, you were considered an enemy. All strangers were enemies until you made peace through the blood. 
shedding of blood always brought peace it settled all arguments it settled all so that's why we don't do the blood brother thing anymore because his sacrifice spiritually speaking wiped out the significance for that and so in but in certain cultures like if you go in some of the remote areas in say in asia africa and places south america you will find the blood covenant is still active because they have to have a way to settle disagreements they have to have a way to bring peace and bring acceptance for people um many times missionaries have been killed because they would go into places they just want to share christ with people of course they go into places and would be killed because any stranger coming up on the shore is considered an enemy and until you sat and made peace with them you you could be banished killed or whatever they just fought like people just didn't trust each other and it's the same thing now pretty much except that because of jesus once and for all sacrifice for sin to make all men one there is no recollection of in places that are highly influenced by christianity places where that have been harvested in the gospel that the recollection of that is nil that's why and it's unfortunate for us as believers because it's hard for us to understand his blood sacrifice without some understanding of a man's to man blood covenant and so really the shedding of blood says that i stake my life on what i'm saying to you i promise to fulfill my end of it up to 10 generations so that would be my children my grandchildren etc etc that's why we can claim blessings on on succeeding generations because of that blood that allows that inheritance to come onto your seed and your seed seed and so blood speaks to many generations it speaks to a finality of the terms there's no more disputing of the terms after the blood is shed it's there's no more controversy anymore and so when when abraham approached god about his heir he comes to him and he says we read this yesterday he said what are you going to give me seeing as how i go childless and this this servant is the only one left in my house in other words god where are my kids you promised them to me god you promised them to me he says i'm holding up my end where are you with what you said that you're going to do for me and so he says you have verse 3 verse 15 3 you have given me no seed and one born in my house is, is my heir and behold the word of the lord came to him saying this shall not be your heir said i didn't tell you that abraham sometimes it's good to talk to god instead of everybody else when you have a problem with where you're going in your situation if you are barely holding on to your faith and god did you really tell me i could have that what did you why did you tell me god this is what abraham's doing he's kind of fussing at god he says where's my kids and he brought him forth abroad and said now look toward heaven he gives him a vision of what he has for him these are your children as numerous as the stars in the sky he says so shall your seed be you won't be able to number them and he believed it 
Abraham believed God's word and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now, if you look at what God told him just then, he told him the same thing a couple chapters back. When he first met Abraham, he gave him the same promise. This is significant because what happens to us when we wait is we think God changed his mind. So it's important for us to not accuse God of not wanting us to have it anymore. Don't think there's something wrong that cannot be repaired. Don't think that there a promise. See, this is why we have to keep going back to God and getting reassurance sometimes. Because it's easy to think because time has passed. It's over. It's not over as far as God is concerned. Now, when time passes, we're less enthusiastic about things. Abraham and Sarah were the same way. Remember when he told them, they, and Sarah laughed, and she said, am I, am I going to be happy to be a mother at my age? Huh? I don't know if she was happy or not, but she became a mother. I guess God said, a baby is coming. Well, how you feel about it is on you, darling. Huh? And so we we think that because we don't feel as excited about things or we don't feel as enthusiastic about things as we used to, that it's over for us. And why would God let you live your life being disappointed? And why would he let you live your life uh, not being uh, fulfilled in life? He's not that kind of God. So your your deal is still on the table. Amen. It's still on the table. And God God tells him, I'm still going to give you your children. And, and he believed God. That's refreshing to go to God and he tells you the same thing over and over again. That is a high blessing. Because you know for one thing God's word is true. He never changes. He's not going to change his mind about blessing you. That thing that you did that you knew was wrong and you kept doing it. He's not holding that against you anymore. Got me? All that's true. And so when he gives you the same word he gave you before as a promise, it's a blessing. It lets you know, Abraham, listen, I'm watching you. I know everything that you do and I'm still going to bless you. I still have in mind to bless you. And he says to God, he says, I'm the God that brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land. In other words, God is reminding him. Remember I told you you'd have these children when I brought you out of there. I promised it to you. Time has gone by now and I still promise it to you. And he said, how will I know that I'll inherit it? Now he's talking to God. But he's got in mind a blood covenant that men generally make with one another. So that's why it's going to be a little hard for him to understand how God's going to do this. But God does cut a blood covenant with him. And the Bible says an oath of confirmation is the end of all strife. That settles it. When the blood is shed, that settles everything. See, we we don't appreciate... The power of Jesus shed blood to settle things in our hearts. 
Have you ever asked God for something and got discouraged when time went by and you didn't get it yet? And But something about that thing still can't, comes to your mind. It keeps popping up in there. You keep, It keeps haunting you and, and gnawing at you and won't let you rest. That's because that thing settled in God's mind already. He's determined to get it to you. You're the one who's getting faint and wanting to give up. Because you don't understand that the blood has settled it. When he said I shed my blood for you. If the fact that he gave his life for every promise to you isn't enough. What more do you want? Do you understand what I'm saying? There's nothing more that can be done. So these are promises that you can put faith and confidence in because of the shed blood. He's done that already. That's a done deal. And so the only thing you can do is fight to hold on to your faith in it. That's your job is to do whatever you need to do to hold on to faith in what he's already promised you without fail. And so uh, Abraham, God tells him, take me a heifer three years old. The minute he says that, it's a done deal in Abraham's mind. Abraham knows exactly what that means. It it means that this man is going to swear to me by his life that he's going to give this to me. And that's what really what was missing. Before that time they had not had this ceremony. God and Abraham, he just went on God's word. But at some point that word started to slip away from him. And God said, I'll add this to it so he will know. You got me? When your faith starts to slip, God goes into motion to help your faith. He's not looking for you to try to conjure up more faith out of nowhere. It's his job. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. It's his job to strengthen our faith. You're confessing it more often will help you some. But if you're, you really hit a roadblock, God has to do something to add confidence to you and assurance to you. Then that's his job to do that. All you got to do is talk to him about it. Oftentimes we don't get that because we don't say we're trying to hide the fact that we're halfway believing from God. We're trying to hide from him so he don't know that we're barely hanging on. He doesn't know we're angry. He doesn't know we're frustrated. He doesn't know we want to give up. And instead of going to him when we hit these brick walls, we run away from him. And try to hide the fact and then come up with some flimsy confession like we impressing him or fooling him and thinking we got great faith. So come on folks, let's get real here. Abraham was real with God. He said, listen God, you told me and time's a wasted. You know, he was already 70 when God approached him. Now he's 70 plus. (laughs) Another 10 or so or 7 or so. So he getting antsy. He needs to know something. So he he uh God walks through those pieces. He, the Father and the Son, cut the covenant while Abraham was asleep. It says in verse twelve, when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said to Abraham, Know of a surety that your seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs, shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. So he's giving him evidence blow by blow evidence that he will have all these children he promised him 
and also that nation whom they shall serve I will judge etc etc and verse 17 it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark behold a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between the two pieces they believe that uh, theologians believe that that was the father and the son cutting covenant without Abraham being involved so we talked yesterday about God promising to bless you he promised himself he will bless you see the oath is made between God and God the Bible says because he could swear by no higher he swore by himself he alone swore between Father, Son and Holy Spirit so he's made a promise to himself to give you what he promises you it's not just made to you but he's made a promise to himself sometimes you need to think about that and when you talk to god god you made a promise to yourself that you would do this for me you made a promise don't break your word to yourself you made a promise to yourself that i would be the the mother of children or that my husband would come back or that i would prosper in this thing that i'm working on right now you made a promise to yourself that that would happen you got me and understand that god keeps his word to himself it's not just to you it's he's promised that between him and the son the father the son and the holy spirit were present in that first covenant that that they did with abraham and so the faith that abraham has came out of that covenant so that's why he had strong faith that's why he was fully persuaded that what god had promised he was able to perform now in uh so abraham this is how abraham will know because god swears to himself he cuts the blood covenant and that says the blood says that we are off the hook performance wise but we must believe you're not off the hook as far as having to believe so your labor is to hold on to your faith so if you trust in the power of the blood you will hear it speak and you will have confidence that these things are yours anyhow you'll hear the blood speaking to you and reassuring you that's how we can have strong faith that blood is what gave abraham strong faith on his level it's the same thing that gives us strong faith on our level it 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 is god's oath to himself now in hebrews chapter 6 start in verse 13 for when god made promise to abraham because he could swear by no greater he swore by himself and this is what he said he said surely blessing i will bless you multiplying i will multiply you so after he had patiently endured he obtained the promise patient endurance not ranting and raving and throwing a tantrum and getting tired patient endurance got me and he says for men verily swear by the greater 
So if say for instance if Miss Juana and I decided that we want to cut a covenant and uh a covenant was would would pertain to things that one of us needed for a stronger life. Say I'm I'm weak in in finances and she's got a lot of money and we decide to cut a covenant and so the lesser financially that's me would be blessed by the greater amen so the blessing goes from the place of need to the place of abundance and so i'm tied into her abundance so when i have need i can call on her because she's sworn to help me so i can call on her for financial backing in certain things and and all of that and so that's what men do man to man and so we would swear an oath to confirm this so that once we swear she doesn't go to me and say i can't take care of that for you you uh -uh, you swore see you swore and so this oath of swearing confirms everything it settles it once and for all not to be argued anymore so Juana knows that if she don't pony up when I'm in trouble then she's going to have consequences to pay so the person with the greater abundance takes all the pain all the rap does all the giving so this is a covenant that works from the the greater blessing the lesser person with an oath of confirmation and so it was a great honor to be invited into a covenant because that person that had the greater abundance of things was inviting you into to share their life pretty much i mean what what they had you had you could avail yourself of all of the the treasure that that person had and people didn't invite you in unless they were capable of maintaining that and so it was a very high honor to be offered into a a covenant of blessing like that well it's the same thing with us and god he owns everything he's invited us in we were broke poor disgusted crazy you know on drugs you know smoking doping everything else and he invited us in and he confirmed it with an oath in his blood that it's never to be argued again and why do we argue with him all the time what's taking so long why did i what did i do wrong all this it's not to be argued again his he's entered into it once and for all with his blood his own shed blood has paid for everything and he swore by no greater he swore by himself to himself and you get the benefit of it so god has sworn to himself to do everything he promises for you and you get the benefit of it you ain't swore nothing you ain't gave nothing you just left where you were and moved in with him amen and so that blood continues to speak to us if we will let that blood speak to us that god is still going to bless us he's still going to help us when you believe these things when you mix your faith in with them that thing comes alive in you 
Amen. It, it, it brings life to you. That's why you want it. Because it's helping you feel better. It's that you look at the promises of God and you look at all that stuff and you say, oh my goodness, I can have this. That thing has come alive in you. It's not a lust anymore if you focused on God's word. It's a promise. Amen. And it's backed up by an oath. And so he says here, because he could swear by no higher, he swore by himself, saying, surely blessing I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. An oath of confirmation is an end of all strife. So don't argue about this anymore. This should be settled. What God's going to do should be settled in you. Because you have an oath confirming it. A promise is one thing, but an oath confirming it, it's two immutable things. It says here, we're in God willing more abundantly to show to the heirs of promise, that's you and me, the immutability of his counsel. So he made up his mind about this already. It can't be changed. Also confirmed it by an oath. So he did this for us to show us that he wouldn't change. The oath locks him in to performance. That has nothing to do with you and me. It has nothing to do with how good we are. It has nothing to do. The only thing we got to do is believe and not let the devil talk us out of it. So if you hold on to believing, you're going to get what God says. Grumbling and complaining won't do it. Getting mad at somebody won't do it. None of that stuff is going to do it. Faith is going to do it. You got to know what faith is. You got to know how to hold on to it. If you don't know what it is, ask God. He'll help you. He helps you on everything. And he says, this this counsel of his is immutable, which means he made up his mind already. He's not going to change it. Holy people don't change once they've made a decision. Royalty doesn't change once they've made a decision. And God doesn't change. Once he's made a decision. He says that by two immutable things in which it was impossible, 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 impossible for God to lie. We might have strong consolation. You know what that is? That's your anyhow factor. You have strong consolation. In other words, you're not standing on something weak, flimsy. That can leave your life because somebody ain't acting right. You understand what I'm saying? Get over yourself. Get over people. And get into God. And and let yourself see what God is going to do for you. He says, you might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Which hope we have as an anchor for the soul. In other words, if you didn't have hope in God, what this strong consolation means that the devil can't run you crazy worrying you about when it's going to happen. Huh? Because you, you, you don't have any, any reason to doubt or fear. God's already given you an oath and a promise. And he promised to himself he's not going to do it. If he falls out with you, he can't fall out with himself. He's promised to himself that he, it will arrive at your door. So you might as well shape up. The only thing that, that's missing is you got to stay at the same residence. Your faith keeps you where God can find you. Your doubt will have you missing. 
so you stay in faith. It says, which hope we have as an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which in, in enters into within the veil, where the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And so Jesus has entered in as our high priest. So you have God swearing to himself by himself. He's going to do this because he promised it to him, not so much to you. Got me? He won't break his promise to himself. He loves you. But you know sometimes we be a little flaky. We be a little crazy. So it's not about how consistent your behavior is, whether he's going to bless you. He already promised it to himself in spite of what you do. He's taken care of that already. Amen. And so he, he's, when we talk about him promising and swearing it by an oath, the blood of the oath brings a knowing to the word. See, when Abraham said, how will I know this? And God shed blood, that blood brought a knowing. Like you know that you know that you know. You don't know when. You don't know how. But you know it will happen. The blood does that for us. See, that that's how you know that shed blood is talking to you. If you think in, if you trust in the power of the blood and hear it speak, you have confidence, strong confidence. The blood really says you are off the hook. You can't mess up the promises. No performance necessary. Only believe. Men, your job is to hold on to your faith, whatever it takes. The blood says, I have given my life in exchange for whatever you need. It is an irrevocable royal decree. And because of the oath and the promise, it's impossible for God to lie. So what if you doubt your faith? Suppose you doubt you have enough faith. You know, religious people are good at making up fake doubts. Huh? Well, stop doubting. Well, you have a security. Suppose suppose you do get flaky and think, you're, oh, my faith isn't strong enough. I don't know how to do it. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, turn there, Hebrews 12, 12 2 says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Hello? Doubt. Shouldn't I shouldn't have done this. I'm a bad girl. I did that. And the sin that so easily besets us. What does the Bible say? Does the Bible say to uh, disqualify yourself because you sinned? It says what? Lay it aside. It means repent and get rid of it. It's not relevant. Just lay it aside. Take it off like a two, you know, like the runners do. They got too many clothes. You know, the warm-up pants they have with the long legs. They have those Velcro. They can rip that off and get down to their shorts so they can run. That's what you do with sin. You just shed it off of you. Lay it aside. Because you can't run this race feeling bad about what you did yesterday. 
You can't run this race thinking you're not forgiven. You can't run this race continually feeling sorry for yourself because you did wrong. Lay that aside. You can't do anything for God. That's why he went to the cross to get rid of your sin so you can get up and run for him. Now you're going to pick it back up again and call yourself super spiritually because you do it? Let's get real here. Sin easily besets us. That's why he said lay it aside. This is easy to get in that mindset that God won't do it now because you've done something that, that's you know unpardonable. Cut it out. He says, it so easily besets us. Let us run with patience the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The author and finisher of our faith. The author and finisher of our faith. That word author is... Um, One of the terms that's used to to describe it is file leader. F-I-L-E. File leader. A file leader is a soldier who is at the front of a a, um, file who covers and leads those who are in the back of them. So author or uh, beginning or a founder is a file leader it's a military term and it pertains to a soldier at the head of a line of other soldiers and they are following him so Jesus has already gone before you in your faith and he's with you leading you through it so how could you not have enough faith How could you have incomplete faith? You can't do anything without him. He's your file leader. He's he's leading all of the saints who have ever lived. He's leading us in the, the life of faith. So that we get what we ask for without any kind of complaint. We get what we believe for without exception. We receive everything that God has for us because he is leading us into it. So if you don't blame anything anybody for your faith, you blame him. You got me? So there's nothing wrong with your faith. It's the faith of the Son of God and he goes before you every step of the way that you are going. So you can't mess up. You can't quit. There is a, a an army of people walking through this with you. You're not alone. So Jesus is leading his entire body through the life of faith so that you have leadership, you have a guard, you have somebody to pull you up when you get faint. You have all kind of help that you need. You're not out here by yourself trying to do this. It says he is showing the way. He is at the head of the line showing the way. He's the founding leader of this faith movement and he continues to lead continues to lead every day he gets up to lead you when it talks about he lives to make intercession for us this is part of it this is leading us into what it's not just sitting there praying and say dad give him this give him that and letting us go bye-bye and go make it for ourselves he leads us to what we need 
with you in it 100%. Uh, that was author. As it says also he is the perfecter or finisher. It means a perfecter really means to complete something or bring a process to its finish. So here you see the file leader setting out with us walking behind him and he is going he is leading us to bring this process to a finish. Which means he never is out of our lives helping our faith. He's always there helping our faith. It means it, he, it also means he brings the life of faith to its complete conclusion. He don't quit on us. That's stuff you don't want anymore because you're mad because you didn't get it when you thought you were supposed to have it. He didn't quit on that. He didn't quit on that. Are you kidding me? Now you can be mad all you want to and you take your little time out and you can throw a tantrum if you want to. But he didn't quit. When you get up and you start believing again, he'll say, well, where you been? I've been here with your stuff all along. Keep following me and you'll get there. Jesus has a lot to do with our faith while we live here on earth. He really does. He wants us to use it at all times. So we must fix our eyes on him because he's our leader. We're following him. He paves the way for many others to follow. Amen. That's what he expects us to do. Go out and minister to people. Win Win the lost. He helps our faith and he completes it. In Mark uh, chapter 7, you see the example of the woman with the demon-possessed daughter. You'll see how Jesus helps her faith. He's the author and completer of her faith. Amen. Mark 7. And she's not a Jew. She's not a Hebrew. But anybody who comes to God believing is a person of faith. It's not just for certain people because of their lineage. It's for everybody who will believe. It's open to all. Uh, In uh, 7 verse 24. From there he arose and went to the borders. Let me see what uh, Matthew says. Hold on a minute. Matthew 15. That one might be a better scripture. It's got a little bit more detail to it. 15. Uh, start in 21. Matthew 15:21. Jesus went thence and departed to the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. He did not answer her. Now, If you ask in faith, you always get an answer. So the fact that he didn't answer her tells you what? There's no faith here. This lady's begging and crying and whining. So that should give you a tip off not to waste your time in those kinds of pursuits. The beg, cry, and whine people don't even touch God. Faith has to have a confidence in God in it. 
And when you whine and beg, there's no confidence in God there because there's no covenant being expressed. There's no relationship being expressed. So this woman, because she was a Gentile, didn't know how to how to approach Jesus in faith. And so that's she's just trying different things. She's trying to see. She's feeling him out, trying to see if he's going to help her or not. You know, it's how strangers start out. And he answered and said, then the disciples came to send her away. And because they started getting rough with her, Jesus had to come in, intervene, and settle that as the author of her faith. This is where her faith starts. So what does he say to her? He says, I'm only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, he says, I can't do anything for you. This is how her faith starts. Starts out negative. How many times we go to God as as new believers and get no answers? Get wrong, or we find out we look in the Bible. Finally, we find out, oh, that's that was wrong for me to want that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We want something belongs to somebody else, or we just screaming for stuff. And you know, Jesus helped me win the lottery, all that kind of stuff. And you go to the Bible and you find out later, oh my, I was asking amiss. I shouldn't ask God for that kind of stuff. That's what she's doing. The same thing she's doing. She is feeling around. She can't find a way in. She wants to find a way in. She has a valid need, but she's got to find the process that God honors so that she can get what she needs. Then she came and worshipped him. She didn't go away. That's important, folks. She didn't go away. She was turned away. But she refused to go away. And many times we'll have ideas in our head that God only does this for this person or that. And then it starts bugging us. But I should ask him. I don't, that, that don't make sense to me. Let me go ask him anyhow. You understand what I'm saying? You've got to feel your way into things sometimes when you lack knowledge. And that's all this lady had was a lack of knowledge. So Jesus births faith in her with that first statement. When he tells her, I'm only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, he is birthing faith in her. Now how is that happening? Huh? No, her her faith is, you can see her faith in this thing if you look for it. He says here in verse 24, he says, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What's the next one say? Huh? Doesn't it take faith to do that? To keep coming back? Tell him he's birthing faith in her. Sometimes faith, carnal people get their faith in the most unusual ways. She's probably one of them. You ever seen them girls that, oh, he my boyfriend, and the boy is trying to get rid of her, and she keep coming? That's her. I ain't deleting his phone number. He told me delete his phone number. I'm keeping it. That's her. That's Shanae. 
She refuses to take no for an answer. Faith is birth when we refuse to take no for an answer. You my man, you're going to always be my man. You think you're going to get rid of me? You ain't getting rid of me. I get rid of you. We ain't quitting today. You got me? So God births faith in us sometimes in negative circumstances. So no situation is impossible. Don't ever quit on any. I don't care how messed up the situation is from what you thought it was going to be when you set out. Don't ever give up on faith because faith can be birthed out of the most ridiculous, traumatic, stupid situations. And he begins her faith right there by telling her, no, it ain't for you. And she said, you ain't quitting me. So she starts working what she knows to be the system. She worships him. She said, well, let me worship him and see if that will work. And she worshipped him and begged and said, Lord, help me. And he answered again. And he said, it's not proper for me to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. She said, yeah, that's true. She said, but the dogs eat the crumbs of the table. So Jesus sizes her up. As a woman who really wants to have her daughter well. But she's ignorant of the procedure for how to do it. How many How many of us are in that situation? Sometimes you have to be provoked. You know what will happen sometimes in situations you'll start doubting God and then the devil will start picking at you and telling you you can't have it and then you finally wake up and recognize that's the devil taunting me I'm getting right back in faith God I still want it I'm not going to let the devil talk me out see sometimes we have to get provoked out of our self-pity out of our doubt out of our wherever we're at out of our flesh so that we can reach down and find the faith that we need. And this woman, faith is the refusal to go away empty handed. Write that down. It's a refusal to go away empty handed. So what's the devil telling you you can't have? What's he telling you is taking too long and what's wrong with you? And you know you don't want him no more. That's why you don't ever pray and think about it too much. What's he telling you you can't have? Well, faith refuses to take no for an answer. That woman wanted her daughter healed. Jesus called her names. He told her she couldn't have stuff because she wasn't good enough. You got me? All that stuff. And she still refused to take no for an answer. Once she expressed the faith that refused to take no for an answer, she got it. It's God I still want it. I don't care how old I am, God I still want it. God I don't care if people mock me and laugh at me, I still want it. God if this is what you brought me, I I embrace it and I still want it. 
got me you you refuse to take no for an answer and you get provoked because the devil mocks you when you start getting mocked it'll show you exactly what you believe are you going to tuck tail and feel sorry for yourself for another day or are you going to tell god you want it anyway he's the author and finisher of your faith he ain't finished with you yet in fact you got a long way to go you understand what i'm saying we got a long way to go in our faith folks so you have to be this way. You have to be uh, uh, ruthless in your pursuit of faith and pursuit of the things God has for you. You've got to refuse to take no for an answer. You've got to step up to the plate and fight that stinking devil when he tries to tell you who you're not and what you can't have and what God don't do for certain people and all that kind of stuff. This, uh, these are the things Jesus told her. See, this ain't for you. This is for God's kids. Huh? She refused to take no for an answer. She said, no, I know there's something left for me. I don't care if I get the crumbs. As long as the crumbs heal my daughter, I'm straight. You got me? So she remained over in her camp, but she got faith to come over in his and get what she needed. That's what we need to do. Amen? Father, thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us to know your word. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to be strong in faith. Giving glory to God. Make us strong in faith, Lord. Giving glory to God. Make us strong in faith, Lord. Giving glory to God. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God.